Steve says, sitting out in the hot tub with my wife, having a drink, listening to our favorite show. <laughs> Steve, the listener of the week for sending that text in. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I don't know about you, but I am I'm tired today. That was a tiring weekend. That was an exhausting weekend. Typically the weekend is the opposite of that, right? We get a couple of days off to, to sit on the couch, you know, watch movies or maybe go do something outside. Hey, clean up the garage, right? Uh, clean the house, right? Maybe take down Christmas decorations. Maybe you haven't gotten around to that. Like most of the time, weekends are a time to relax, just chill, recharge for the week. This weekend as sports fans, we were challenged, everybody. Were we not? Six NFL playoff games all standalone, which means we had three separate games to watch every single day because they added that extra playoff team this year. So normally, wild card weekend, eh, two games on Saturday night, two games on Sunday night. You know, we have time to do other things. This weekend, it was butt, couch, drink, hand, remote, other hand. That, that was it. We, we were locked up this weekend. We worked hard. Our sports fandom asked a lot of us this weekend. So give yourself a pat on the back. We pulled it off. Six separate NFL games. I was tired by last night. I, at halftime, I'm like, I, I need to go to bed. I need to get off this couch. And I need to actually close my eyes and do anything other than watch football. Now, it was a blast. The teams were entertaining. The games were awesome. And I'm super excited to talk about it today. But we we work hard this weekend. Don't forget about that. Don't let anybody take that away from you. We worked hard. My name is Grant Bills. It's the Wisco Sports Show, and we don't have a Wisconsin football game to talk about. The Packers were on bye, but we did have six completely separate standalone games all across different channels. We had NBC, ABC, ESPN, Fox, CBS, Nickelodeon, Freeform, Amazon Prime. I lost track of it all, right? That's what I spent basically my entire weekend doing is watching football, and naturally, we're going to talk about that today. Now, college football championship game is tonight. So we'll talk about that for like five minutes before the end of the show, I guess. Ohio State and Alabama. But other than that, it's all football today. All NFL playoffs. And yes, we'll get to the Packers as well. I want to hear from you. Because we were in the trenches all weekend long. Just grinding, grinding football. Phone in one hand, drink in the other. Right, just, I spent so much time watching football this weekend. I Somehow, my screen time on my phone went down. I got the notification yesterday. It's like, hey, congratulations. You cut down on screen time by six hours. I was like, no, I didn't. Because instead of being on my phone all day, I was just staring at my TV. Six playoff games. So let's talk about it. And if you have anything to add, uh, anything to argue, anything to contribute, I would love to hear from you. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. A little bit later on in the show, I will open up the phone lines as well. So if you want to call, have an extended conversation, especially maybe about the Bears or the Packers, We're not going to get into the Bears or the Packers right now. We're going to start with some games from this weekend. But if you'd like to call, have a debate, have a conversation, I'd love to have you. 608-796-2558. Excuse me. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. You can reach out that way as well if you want to be part of the show. So today's show is going to be interesting. I have all these little mini conversations that I want to have today. Right? It's going to be very stop and start. We're going to talk about one thing and then take a break. And then talk about another thing and take a break. So we're going to kind of bounce around. And I I think we have to. There were six different games this week. I can't talk about Bill's Colts for an entire hour. Right? And I, we can't talk about the Packers for two hours straight. They didn't play. So so we're going to skip around. And, and that's going to be fun. 
it's going to be a little eclectic, and I've looked forward to it all day. All different games and all different teams. And, and even though the Packers didn't play, I, I do want to talk about them. But I want to talk about the Packers through the lens of some of these other teams. Does that make sense? So like, wow, look at how great the Rams' defense was. The Packers are going to have to play against that defense. And then we'll talk about that. Or like, wow, look at what the Steelers did. This reminds me of this. And then we'll talk about the Packers in that way. So we will get to the Packers. It'll just be indirect. We'll take a left turn and a roundabout, and then we'll backdoor our way into some Packers conversation coming up later on in the show. I want to start by just reacting to what I believe to be some of the best games from this weekend, my favorite games. Now, not all of these games were close. In fact, most of them weren't, actually. Colts and Bills was close. The Rams and Seahawks has a 10-point game. Buccaneers-Washington football team, that was more than a 10-point game or an 8-point game. Ravens-Titans, that was a full touchdown game. Saints ran away with it, but the Bears at the end and the Browns against the Steelers last night, they they ran away with it. So the only close game, the only game that was within one score, I guess except for an 8-point game with Tampa, was the Bills, who beat the Colts by 3 points. So let's, let's start there. It was very weird having a noon game on Saturday, right, because of that extra playoff team, extra game. The game started a little bit earlier. So we had a noon, a three, and a seven on Saturday and Sunday. And I just refused to send uh, to sit on my couch all day Saturday. So I actually watched the game in my ice shack on my phone. No, I didn't catch anything. Uh, I even set up tip-ups. We, I, I kind of went all out. We set up five or six tip-ups. We had multiple jig pulls going. My buddy caught a couple, caught a nice crappie, but I, I didn't catch anything. I just sat there with my phone in my hand most of the day and watched the Bills game. Most NFL people were really high on the Bills coming into this game. I Now, whether or not you like Cowherd or not, it's interesting to hear what he says sometimes because I think he can sometimes be representative of sports voices and sports media as a whole. He, he's talking about how the Bills are hotter than the Chiefs. Josh Allen is playing better than Patrick Mahomes is playing. All signs point to the Chiefs. They're hot. They're healthy. They're trending in the right direction. People are really high in the Bills. Like, really, really high. Myself included. It's hard to not watch the Bills for the last month and... Take them seriously. Stephon Diggs is playing like one of the best, certainly one of the most productive wide receivers in the league, and his performance leads to success. Like when Stephon Diggs get going, his team wins. When he's catching a lot of passes, the Bills tend to win. So Stephon Diggs is a laser show and very, very fun to watch. And Josh Allen's just got a... I don't know what he's got built onto his shoulder. I don't think his arm's real. He can throw the ball like 80 yards with a flick of a wrist. The Bills are really fun to watch, and I've been really high on them. And they barely squeaked past old man Phillip Rivers and the Colts. And I'm not going to fault him for it. I don't think Phillip Rivers has much left in the tank. And if you've been listening to the show for, let's say, a year or two or more, you know that I'm not the biggest fan of Phillip Rivers. I, I think he was on some really good teams with the Chargers. And he just never got it done. And I think at some point it starts to fall on the quarterback. It can't always be on the coach. It can't always be on the supporting cast. And I feel like with Phillip Rivers, it's always been blamed on other people. But Phillip Rivers loves turning the ball over when his team has the ball late in the game. But I do really love the Colts roster, everything about it. I love their coaching staff and their analytics department and how they make decisions. I think the Colts got it going on. That being said, I thought the Bills would win by more than three points. But I'm not going to fault them for it. Because in the postseason, matchups can be tough. You have a little bad luck here and there. You make one bad decision, and these games get close really, really quickly. And I, I thought of the wild card game between the Packers and the Eagles back in 2010 or at the time, 2011, the playoff run of the 2010 season when they barely beat the Eagles in round one, 21 to 16. It ended with the, was it the Tremont Williams interception at the end? Not Sam, not Sam Shields, it was Tremont Williams. Yep, in the end zone. And the Packers squeaked by the Eagles and were like, oh, barely. Now, a little bit different. The Packers were the sixth seed 
and the Bills are near the top of the AFC. But you get my point. Sometimes it is it's just survive in advance. Win by any means necessary. And the Bills were able to do that. And I'm excited we get to watch the Bills for at least one more week this upcoming weekend. Later on, the 3 o'clock game on Saturday was between the Seahawks and the Rams. Isn't it weird that the Seahawks are eliminated? I kind of keep forgetting about it. It's like, oh yeah, Seattle lost. Seattle and Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, the team that refuses to die every single year, actually just kind of died on Saturday. They went out with a whimper, not a bang. It wasn't some crazy officiating decision or some onside kick or some missed field goal. No, it was the Seahawks just got beat. They got straight up beat by the Rams. And I, <laughs> I loved it. Because I've, I've been kind of down on the Seahawks all year. I think when Russell Wilson doesn't play like an MVP, the Seahawks are a 10-6 and six caliber team. And they played like a 10-6 and six team on Saturday. Because you know what 10-6 and six teams do? 10-6 and six teams lose in the first round of the playoffs in forgettable fashion. That's exactly what happened to the Seahawks on Saturday. So I feel rather vindicated. Because I was down on the Seahawks all year. I was down on Russell Wilson all year. And it's funny because I, I was reading some... Uh, some columns from the Seattle beat. I was reading work by Ben Baldwin and and others who cover Seattle and and the Seahawks specifically. And it was interesting to hear their spin on it or read their spin on it this morning. It was all on Pete Carroll, everything. Pete Carroll, this Pete Carroll, that he's got to be better here and better at this. And I'm like, huh, really? It's just Russell. Russell Wilson takes no blame ever. Russell Wilson hasn't been blamed for any of this, at least not what I've read. I'm sure there's some people out there who do a podcast, some people out there who write a blog, they were talking about how Russell Wilson didn't play very well, both in the playoffs and down the stretch. Like post-week seven, Russell Wilson wasn't very good. Right? I'm sure somebody out there is saying that. But but nothing that I can find and nothing that I read or listened to this morning, right? And that shouldn't be a surprise. After all, Russell Wilson is the only quarterback in the history of the NFL or the AFL or whatever, the XFL, the AAF. Russell Wilson is the only quarterback ever to throw a game-breaking back-breaking interception that costs his team a Super Bowl, and he's not blamed for it. He's not not blamed for it whatsoever. Russell Wilson threw the game-ending interception in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Oh, it was Pete Carroll's fault. Oh, it was Daryl Bevel's fault. What a bad play call. What what bad strategy from Pete Carroll. It wasn't Russell Wilson's fault. He's not in control. He threw the back-breaking interception. Never once has been blamed for it, so it shouldn't be a surprise. Um... It's funny, the let Russ cook narrative has, has kind of taken a ding. Coming up later on in the show, I'm very excited for this. I'm going to tell you how, this is this is fun, don't take this too seriously. I'm going to tell you how the let Russ cook methodology and way of thinking is very similar, uh, similar, rather not similar, to communism. I think they're, I, I actually think they're the exact same thing. And I mean it in a very lighthearted way. Obviously, I'm not talking about... Uh, governments and system of governance and and ideologies of, of how to lead people. But there are so many similarities between the let Russ cook people and that friend that's always posting communist memes on, on Facebook and on Twitter. I actually think they're the same thing. And I'm very excited to share that with you. That's coming up after 5 o'clock. I'm very excited to talk about the Seahawks. And it's funny. It's meant to be funny. Very similar, but we're not talking about like, like Paul Pot and Joseph Stalin. We're not going to get into that, but I do think they're very similar. I'm excited to share that with you. What about the Ravens-Titans? Let's talk about that for a minute. This game was, was it the early game yesterday? I get all of them. They all start to run together. Yeah, this is the noon game yesterday. Now, the Ravens won 20-13, to 13, and I don't know if there's a better, better rivalry in the NFL right now. 
I think Ravens-Titans has to be the most intriguing, maybe the nastiest rivalry in the NFL right now. Bears and Packers, the rivalry is dead at this moment. It could change next year, and it wasn't dead two years ago, but at this moment, it's dead. The Bears are not on the same level as the Packers. Coaching, quarterback, offensive line, wide receiver, running back, front off, it, it's, 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 they're not, it's not there. The Bears-Packers rivalry is currently dead. Right, the, the Packers-Vikings rivalry isn't any interesting. Although the Vikings beat the Packers this year, the Vikings aren't a playoff team. A rivalry between a contender and a non-contender can only be so interesting. Right, It's like little brother and, and big brother. Steelers-Ravens isn't very interesting right now. I, I think it's Titans-Ravens. Titans knocking the Ravens out in the postseason last year. A lot of animosity right now between those two teams. It seems weird, but I, I think that's the nastiest rivalry in the NFL right now. And I'm happy for the Ravens and for Lamar Jackson as they were able to win in the postseason yesterday. The Lamar Jackson Ravens got their first playoff win, and that's cool. Congratulations. That's something to celebrate. That's awesome, right? And I've ripped the Ravens at times. Not to be a jerk. I'm just, I call it like I see it. I think the Ravens at times the last few years have been the Milwaukee Bucks of the NFL. They rack up a really good regular season record using a very specific play style that works really well in the regular season. They pound sand against bad opponents. They run up their point differential, right? They win MVP awards and coach of the year awards. And then they get to the postseason and all of a sudden things tighten up and they can't get it done, right? And I've said that, I don't know, for a couple, I think I started saying this at the beginning of the year. The Baltimore Ravens are the Milwaukee Bucks of the NFL. They're a regular season juggernaut. And I'm happy for the Ravens that, at least for the moment, they got that monkey off their back yesterday. That's cool. The whole Lamar can't win in the playoffs narrative is, is very odd. Because yesterday he won his first postseason game, and people are like, oh, he's done it. He's got that monkey off his back. But it's funny, because with that win yesterday, he he is now advanced to the same spot in the postseason that he reached last year. So, like, I, I guess one playoff win speaks volumes. Maybe the narrative's a little dumb. I don't know. I don't know. As for the Titans, got to wonder if the Packers showed the league the blueprint, right? You got you to gotta wonder about it. You have to. Packers beat up the, beat up on the Titans in the second to last week of the regular season, put a bunch of good things on tape, and now the Ravens and, and others are just able to follow that blueprint. I think the blueprint for the Titans losing is for Mike Vrabel to just make bad game management decisions and for their offense to make bad methodology decisions and, and you know, take the wrong strategy, especially on first and second down. That's why the Titans lost yesterday. Their, their offense was just, it was just a turd. Titans scored like 31 points a game in the regular season. They scored 13 yesterday. And part of that is because the Ravens played really well on defense, but part of it is I, Titans just, they played very poorly, and their coaching staff had the wrong idea of what to do yesterday. So those were the most interesting games. Bills, Colts, Seahawks, Rams, Ravens, Titans. I also wanted to touch on Steelers, Browns, but we're kind of up against it, and I don't want to fall behind schedule because I have a lot of things I want to get to today. And if I'm late for the first break, then I got to rush to hit the second. You know how it is, right? You know how you understand this. So let's talk about Steelers, Browns later. We will. Uh, actually, we're going to talk about them coming up next because I want to talk about coaching. So perfect. We'll just push it off until after this break. Coaches were coaching scared yesterday and on Saturday. Two coaches specifically, Vrabel and Tomlin. I want to talk about that coming up next. A lot of football talk today on the Wisco Sports Show. Do not miss it. Back after this break. Don't go anywhere. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. What a fun weekend of watching football. It was it was exhausting. It was a job. This is a full-time job watching football this weekend. Three separate games on both days, all standalone. You couldn't miss any of them. They were all great in one way or another. 
most of them were decided by greater than one score. A couple of them were close, but all entertaining games. I appreciate you hanging out today. I'm being responsible. I'm being a responsible radio host today, and I'm keeping segments tight. We're running a tight ship and a tight schedule today. See, we have like nine minutes to talk until we got to take our next break. Normally, I go way long when we start the show, and then I have like four minutes, got to cram stuff in. No. New year, new me. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to run on schedule today because we have a lot to get to. I see a lot of texts coming in. Thank you so much for reaching out. 608-796-2558. I will get to these texts right after our break at 4.30. A couple on the Packers, a couple on the Steelers and the Browns. Yeah, we're going to try to talk about all these games today. They're all interesting in one way or another. Uh, To start the show, talk a little bit about the Bills, Colts, Seahawks, Rams, Ravens, Titans, Steelers, Browns. And I actually, I want to continue to talk about Ravens, Titans, and Steelers, Browns at least until 4.30. And after 4.30, we'll talk a little bit about the Bears and the Packers. We'll get into some of the teams we normally discuss. I want to talk about the Titans, and I want to talk about the Steelers because I want to talk about coaching. Coaching, coaching, coaching. Now, NFL teams typically lose in the postseason because of bad offense and turnovers, typically. If a team loses in the playoffs, it's typically because said team's offense wasn't good enough and they made bad mistakes that led to turnovers or, or short fields, you know, fumbles, interceptions, that, that kind of thing. That's typically what decides a game. For example, the Steelers last night turned the ball over five times, and in doing so, fell behind 28-0. to zero. Now, you might think, well, Grant, the defense gave up 28 points. Okay, well, you, you turn the ball over five times, you're lucky enough to only be down 28 points. Okay, it typically stems from offense and decision-making. Steelers turned the ball over five times. They ended up losing because of it. The Titans... Gave up some big runs to Lamar. Sure, their defense could have been better, but they only scored 13 points, right? The Titans lost because their offense had a turd of a game. The Steelers lost because their offense turned the ball over five times. It turned the ball over like it was their number one hobby, like they they were just addicted to turning the ball over. Offense is the biggest indicator in football, despite what some people may tell you. So you say, defense wins championships. You got to build a team from the, the trenches, the defense... That's all great, yeah, yeah. But offense is the biggest indicator in football. We saw that yesterday. Now, with that in the back of our minds, think about that. Offense wins games. Offense decides games. If you play bad on offense, you lose. Keep that in the back of your mind. With that in the back of our mind, I want to talk about coaching performances from this weekend, specifically yesterday. Tomlin and Vrabel, head coach of the Steelers and head coach of the Titans. And we talked about head coaches on Friday. We did a full 15 minutes on this. We were trying to rank which head coaches are best, what's good about each coach, what they could do better, right? Their strengths and their weaknesses. What did I say about Tomlin and what do I what did I say about Vrabel? I remember it like it was yesterday, although it was only two days ago. So it's really, <laughs> I remember most things from Friday, to be fair. I think I had ramen for lunch. Like I can, it was only a couple of days ago. I said about Mike Tomlin, I love Mike Tomlin as a leader of men, as a motivator, as, as kind of a CEO of the Steelers face of the organization, but as an in-game coach, making decisions, you know, kicking field goals, punting, going forward on fourth down, eh, Tomlin loses me a little bit. He doesn't always make the sharpest decisions. Now, as a leader of men, great. And we've seen him correct that the Steelers have gotten bad and he's been able to ride the ship. He's been able to navigate drama through Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. He's done a good job. In-game decision, not, not so much. What did I say about Vrabel? Vrabel runs the ball too much. He's got to stop running the ball on first and second down. His team has A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. They're tremendous. He's got to throw the ball more. I was so right. 
I was so unbelievably right on Friday, and I wasn't even trying to be right. We were just spitballing. We were just BSing about coaches. And what happened? Everything we talked about on Friday played out yesterday right before our eyes with Mike Tomlin and with Mike Vrabel. Mike Tomlin made poor in-game decisions, and Mike Vrabel was addicted to running the ball like like he wasn't allowed. Like, like it's illegal to throw passes on first down in the state of Tennessee, in Nashville. We were so right on both fronts, on both of these coaches on Friday. Let's start with Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans. His offense only scored 13 points. This was an offense that averaged 31 points and almost 400 yards throughout the regular season. They were fantastic, and they were held to 13 points, partly due to Baltimore's defense. Baltimore's defense was really, really good. But Mike Vrabel did his team no favors. Way, 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 way too much, Derrick Henry. Way too much. A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are tremendous. They're beasts. And I like Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry had 18 carries for only 40 yards. That's less than two and a half yards per carry. That's not going to get it done, right? And yet they kept giving him the ball. Even when they were down 10-plus points, they were down multiple scores. Just handing it to Derrick Henry. Ain't nothing but a thing. Just give the ball to Derrick Henry. No rush here. No urgency here. Just hand it off, hand it off, hand it off. And the thing is, the statistics bear this out. This isn't me just complaining because I like A.J. Brown or Corey Davis or I have been fantasy. The statistics bear this out, obviously. Let's look at expected points added per play, EPA, which is expected points added per play. It's breaking offensive success or failure down to the most granule level. You run one play. How much did that help you? What did it get you? Let's look at EPA per play, run versus pass on first and second down, because first and second down, down and distance doesn't dictate a play call, right? If it's third and 15, you're going to throw. If it's third and one, probably going to run. But on first and 10, second and seven, world is your oyster. You can do what you want. Let's look at EPA per play, run versus pass on first and second down. This is as damning as it gets. The Titans, when running on first and second down, have an expected points added per play of minus .32. Every time the Titans run the ball on first or second down, it costs them on that play about a third of a point. That's really, really damning. That's very bad. Now, when they pass the ball on first and second down, it adds over a third of a point. It adds .36. So he's getting close to half a point per play. That's, that's ridiculous. That's, that's night and day. You can see it clearly that Tennessee is beating themselves when they continue to beat their head in, handing the ball to Derrick Henry over and over and over and over again. And it's not a fantasy thing. It's not a betting thing. Stop handing the ball off. Quickly. Let's talk about Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin. Bad decision making. Now, Pittsburgh lost because they had five turnovers. Sure. But Mike Tomlin didn't help the situation. Let's talk about some of these punts. He punted once in the second quarter from the Cleveland 40, down 28 to nothing. He punted again in the fourth quarter, down two scores, fourth and one at midfield. When he chose to punt fourth and one at midfield, the Steelers' win probability dropped 7%. That's a terrible decision. Whether you want to dig into the stats or whether you're just a football fan at home thinking, you're punting? What the hell? You're punting the ball away? You're down two scores in the fourth quarter? What are you doing? It's the playoffs. Now, if you actually look at uh, all of the punts this season and the uh, the win probability they added or subtracted, that punt in the fourth quarter was actually the ninth worst punting decision made by any team, any coach, all season long. The worst was a minus 15%. So minus seven is about half of that. But Pittsburgh had two, two punts in the top 10 of negative win probability this season. It's just, it, this is why I like the Colts. They have an analytics department up there to assist in decision-making. Certainly you don't always go with the numbers. But more often than not, win probability, 
and, and, and the math is going to bear out. And I don't know if Tomlin just ignores it, if Rabel ignores it. They just don't care. They're stubborn. They're obtuse. I, I don't know what it is. Let's take a break. I want to talk about the Bears. The Chicago Bears lost to the Saints yesterday. I want to talk about the Packers division rival. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Stick around. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you hanging out and tuning in. Glad you're here. Hope you had a great weekend. We worked hard this weekend, but football fans, our work is not done until tonight, probably around 1 a.m. when the national championship game will wrap up. There's no way this game's done before 11 p.m. Are you kidding me? Bama, Ohio State tonight. We'll talk about that for just a couple of minutes before we say goodbye, probably around 5.50. Uh, So if you're really dying to hear college football talk, uh, that's when we can get that. So our, our weekend of football is not done until tonight at 11 p.m. Some texts that have been coming in, 608-796-2558. Trish, oh my God, this is spiritual. Trish says, we saw it, Grant. Russell Wilson had the worst game I've ever seen him play. Let's face it. The Rams have the defense mentioned in the phrase, offense wins defense, or excuse me, defense wins championships. That said, this game with the Packers will be amazing. Best offense versus best defense. I'm praying the Packers got all their gears and pistons firing and carry us to victory in a proud way on Sunday. Go Pack Go. Amen, Trish. Amen. We'll talk more about Packers-Rams coming up next hour. And Seahawks-Rams, we are... I mean, I'm not not going to talk about the Seahawks today. Are you kidding me? I've been the one person since week five saying the Seahawks aren't very good and that Russell Wilson is very good. I'm going to take a victory lap today, but I'm going to... I'm not going to... I'm going to be classy. Okay, I'm not going to be obnoxious. That's coming up later on in the show as well. Um, Sapper says, I'm assuming about Jared Goff, uh, thumb, uh, grip issues in cold weather. Yeah, that's a problem. Multiple fumbles and multiple interceptions. Packers 34-13. to 13. Yeah, I, I like my chances bringing the L.A. team, the Rams, coming to play at Lambeau. Uh, Mike says, what about Brown-Steelers as a rivalry? Mike, as I, as I talked about, it's hard for a rivalry to be great when one team is, is bad. Like, if both teams are making the playoffs, it's great. So this year, yeah, Steelers and Browns is fun, but what about next year? If the Browns drop off or the Steelers drop off, you know, I I think the best rivalries are between two playoff games. That's why I think Ravens-Titans is so good right now. Uh, Rob, our friend from Stoddard, says, uh, and he's a Bears fan, until the end of the game, I was presently surprised with how my Bears put up a fight. Rob, I read your text last because let's talk about the Bears. I want to talk about the, uh, the fight that your Bears put up. And, and I got to admit, I, I was looking to Bears-Saints yesterday afternoon as possibly one of the most interesting games of the weekend. I was very excited for this game. I was very excited for Saints and Bears. An NFC North team, right? I I was looking forward to that. It's always fun to watch the Vikings or the Bears, or heck, if the Lions ever do it again. It's been seven years now. I always look forward to watching other divisional teams in the postseason. It's the same in in baseball. If the Pirates make it, I'll cheer for the Pirates. Uh, I'm not going to cheer for the Cardinals. I'm not going to cheer for the Cubs. I'll cheer for the Reds. I, I like the Reds. Right? It's like bowl season in, in college football. I'll cheer for other Big Ten teams once the postseason starts, right? So I was looking forward to watching the Bears and watching a divisional rival. And I... Some of you might hate me for this, but I'm always honest. I gotta be honest. Uh, I was I was cheering for the Bears yesterday. I wanted to see Chicago win because I detest New Orleans. Except for Alvin Kamara and Ryan Ramchek and maybe Latavius Murray and Jared Cook. I detest New Orleans. They bother me. They keep me up at night. 
I detest them. And I wanted the Bears to at least make it close, if not win altogether. That's what I, that's what I was hoping for. I would have loved to see the Saints lose yesterday. Now, New Orleans ended up winning 21-9. to But this game, as Rob, uh, our friend, said, this game was well in reach for like three and a half quarters for the Bears. It was a one possession game or it was 14 to three. Like it was, they were a touchdown away from being right there for 80% of the game. Now it got out of hand in the end of the fourth quarter because the Saints started punching the ball in the end zone and Sean Payton's offense actually started working in the fourth quarter, which for the most uh, beginning part of the game, it wasn't. All, all I heard all game, and I watched the second half on CBS, I watched the first half on Nickelodeon, which is very entertaining. And all I heard from Nance and Romo in the second half of the game was Drew Brees this, Sean Payton that, Drew Brees, this is the best team he's had, the best chance he's had to win a championship in years, blah, blah, blah. Sean Payton, offensive mastermind, and you know he's going to have these guys ready to play, and blah, blah, blah. It's just Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And blah, 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 blah. Look, the Bears were without Roquan Smith, who other than Khalil Mack might be their best defensive player. They were without cornerbacks Buster Screen and Jalen Johnson. Buster Screen, the nickel corner, is very, very important to what they do, right? Especially in the short passing game and the screen game, which the Saints love. So Buster Screen is a valuable player in a matchup like this for the Bears. They were without him, and they were without Jalen Johnson. And all I heard was Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Look, give me a break. Matt LaFleur's offense put up 71 combined points in two matchups with the Bears against a healthy Bears defense. When Rokon Smith was on the field and when Buster Screen and Jalen Johnson were playing, Matt LaFleur's offense was dusting Chuck Pagano in that Bears defense. It's just dusting him to the tune of about 35 points a game. The Saints struggled to score 20 yesterday at home against a depleted version of that Bears defense. Please tell me more about Sean Payton and Drew Brees and how they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Just please. I want to hear it. Yeah, tell me more about it. 20, 20 points. Barely. Took until the fourth quarter to even give above 14. Ugh. Sure, 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 sure. The Bears were outmanned. They were outgunned. They were they were down. They were dealing with injuries. Guys were missing. But, and this is what's frustrating, I'm sure, especially for Bears fans. They were so outplayed. The Saints were more buttoned up. The Saints were disciplined. They made good decisions. The Bears did so much dumb stuff yesterday. Self-inflicted wounds. Javon Wims dropped a touchdown. Anthony Miller got ejected. Okay, you didn't see that coming. They had nine penalties. Nine in a playoff game. They had, how many How many first downs did the Bears have yesterday? I think they had 11 first downs. I'm going to pull it up because I don't want to be wrong. So give me a second to pull up the box score. The Bears had nine penalties yesterday, and some of them were backbreakers. They're on fourth down or third down and short, and they jumping off sides, giving the Saints extra cracks to pick up a first down, like back-breaking penalties team stats. The Bears yesterday had 11 first downs and 9 penalties. Sheesh! It's not not exactly a great ratio. I'm amazed that the Bears somehow accumulated 239 yards because watching yesterday, I I would have never guessed. It's like, how many yards did they have? I don't know. 70? That's what it felt like. This Bears team cannot move the ball whatsoever. They they should have only had 3 points in this game, but Jimmy Graham scored a walk-off touchdown. Just ran into the tunnel, which I actually appreciated. I thought that was a I thought that was a funny way. I was interested to see what Jimmy Graham was going to do. Like, is he going to spike it? Is he going to celebrate? No, he just he ran right into the tunnel. Somehow, <laughs> the Bears accumulated 239 yards, which is about 100 more than I would have guessed after watching this game. And, and this is why I'm sure Bears fans are so frustrated, and I hope Bears players are frustrated as well. They were right there all game. But they were so out-executed. 
And the Saints had more discipline, and the Saints never have discipline. The Saints do dumb stuff all the time. They shoot themselves in the foot all the time, and the Bears somehow found a way to stoop lower. And the reason it's so backbreaking for a team like the Bears, if you're going to try to win with defense, you have to play buttoned up. The margins of error are so much thinner if you're a team playing through defense and special teams, right? It's the same with the Wisconsin Badgers basketball team. I talk about this all the time. If you're going to play a style of basketball that is all about defense and and time of possession, right, and and post-play, and it's fundamental basketball, right? If that's the style of basketball you're going to play, you need to be comfortable in close games. You need to be able to execute late in the shot clock. You need to be able to hit your free throws. And when the Badgers don't do those things, they lose, right? A couple of years ago, they had a huge free throw issue. They're, they're just not a team that can overcome bad decisions late in the game. They're not a team that can overcome missed free throws. Just like the Bears aren't a team that can overcome nine penalties, dropped touchdowns, some of their wide receivers getting ejected. Like, they, they, they can't absorb that. The Packers or the Chiefs or the Titans offense, I know they were bad yesterday, but, like, good teams with good offenses can absorb mistakes like that. The Bears can't. The Bears' margin for error is, like, is, it's, like, razor thin. It's razor, razor thin. And they, they really got into that margin of error yesterday. Now, is, is, it, is it Matt Nagy's fault? Is that what we're thinking here, Bears fans? Is that what we believe? Is it on Matt Nagy? And by default, everything falls under Matt Nagy because everything is the responsibility of the head coach, right? It was the same with Mike McCarthy. Like, oh, his defenses are always bad. Or at least in, in late in his tenure in Green Bay. It's like, well, Mike McCarthy might not be the defensive coordinator, but he is the head coach. And as the head coach, you answer for things that are under your umbrella, right? You answer for your quality control coaches, your position coaches, your coordinators, because you're the head coach. You have final say. You're in charge of the whole team. So I guess in a sense, everything is Matt Nagy's fault because he's the head coach. But I I got to give the Bears credit. And I know some of you disagreed with this last week, and I have a, a great friend who's a Bears fan, and he disagrees as well. I actually think the Bears had a really good game plan yesterday. I think they had a smart game plan against the Saints. Just like a week ago, they had a smart game plan against the Packers. Right, Their whole goal was to keep it close by kicking field goals and not going forward in the red zone. Right, They, they kept it close by punting instead of going forward on fourth down and playing field position. Kept it close by running the ball and trying to dominate time of possession as they did against the Packers. A little bit different yesterday because they couldn't get first downs. You keep it close and you stretch this game out into the fourth quarter in hope that Drew Brees throws you a pick, as he will do because Drew Brees is washed. Right? Or you hope that the Saints do something stupid or or you get the, the benefit of a special teams touchdown from Cordero Patterson or a defensive touchdown. Like, that's that's not an unrealistic path to victory for the Bears who have very few paths to victory. Like, there's very few ways that the Bears were going to beat the Packers last week. There's very few ways that they were going to beat the Saints. But I think the most realistic way to do so is to slow the game down, to ugly the game up, to keep it close as long as possible, and hope that something breaks your way. Just hope for it. I think that was a realistic way to play against the Packers, and it was a realistic way to play yesterday. Now, ultimately, they didn't have the horses or the luck to get it done in either game, but if they start slinging the ball down the field and, and trying to play, you know, five-wide, let-it-ride football, that, that's that's how the Bears get beat 55-7, to seven, right? So I think the game plan yesterday was smart, and they were doing a good job of pulling it off. And Chuck, hell, Chuck Pagano had a pretty good defensive game plan yesterday. Neither Alvin Kamara nor Michael Thomas killed the Bears. Kamara had 23 carries for 99 yards. That's super manageable. Michael Thomas had five catches for 70 yards. Yeah, he had a touchdown. Somebody's got to score touchdowns. Like, that. that's not unreasonable. The Bears weren't shredded by Kamara or Thomas. Like, I think offensively, 
they had the best possible game plan, and defensively, they did okay. Now, they had really dumb penalties, and, and they just didn't get lucky enough. They didn't get a special team score. They didn't get a defensive score, which, by and large, is based on luck. It's just why you shouldn't try to win through special teams or defense. But, like, I, I thought that was the, the, the Bears' best shot of victory a week ago and their best shot of victory yesterday. It just didn't work out. And now, I have no clue where the Bears go from here. You can fire Matt Nagy and bring in someone else. I just don't know what it solves because Mitch Trubisky is so, so limited as a quarterback that I really don't know what else you could ask Matt Nagy to do. I don't think he's always the sharpest head coach, but he certainly hasn't been the reason that the Bears have lost as much as they have the last two years. He's, he's playing with one arm tied behind his back, right? And it's almost like their offensive success throughout the last three weeks of the season, so week 14, 15, 16, it's almost like that was a mirage. Because they were playing against Jacksonville, Houston, and Minnesota. I heard that somewhere. Who, who said that? Oh, yeah, that was me. Right? Like, this Bears, we, we have this team figured out. This, this team makes complete sense to me. They, they do not befuddle me at all. I see Bears fans who are, like, at wit's end. Like, this team is a common sense team. They're just not very good. I don't know where they go from here. I think getting another quarterback would probably be wise. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they should find a way. Trade up. Take someone in the draft. See what happens. That's probably my best shot. I want to talk about something entertaining that I noticed this weekend. I, I noticed a new trend in the NFL this year, and it's something that I've never seen before. We've seen it in the NBA for a long time, but I, I've never seen it before in the NFL. I want to explain to you what I'm talking about coming up next. We'll get back into the games, and we'll even get into the Packers and the Rams because I know that's the matchup we're all now looking forward to this upcoming weekend. More NFL talk coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolling on, talking a lot of football tonight, and I am I'm having a blast. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. And as always, you can reach out and text the show, 608-796-2558. A little bit of breaking news. Uh, Jared Valdir is back. <laughs> Remember, he filled in pretty well in the offensive line last year as a late season addition. He, he started for the Colts on Saturday, and I guess is eligible to sign with the Packers because he was on the Colts practice squad which gives him a little flexibility. I never knew that rule. Good on Brian Gudekinst for recognizing that and bringing him in. So they get a little depth on the offensive line. That's going to be nice, especially with Bakhtiari out. And who knows, you know, Corey Lindsay goes down, you know, God forbid, knock on wood, or, or somebody else gets hurt. It's nice to have an extra body. So it'd be good to know that they have a, they have a little bit of a breathing room on the offensive line. That loophole will probably get closed this offseason. <laughs> like, like being able to play for two different teams in the same postseason in a stretch of, you know, six days of the two games. Like, yeah, that's probably a loophole they'll close this offseason. But take advantage of it while it's uh, while it's open. We'll get back into some of this weekend's games. I want to talk about the Seahawks because, my God, was I right. And yes, yes, I'm going to talk about it. We'll talk about the Packers as well and their upcoming matchup with the Rams. But I want to talk about something that jumped out to me this weekend. And maybe it jumped out to you as well. Typically, the NFL doesn't have villains. We don't, we don't have villains in the NFL. The NBA does. Like, oh, yeah, the, the NBA is built on villains, super teams, superstars like Kevin Durant, LeBron James in Golden State and in Miami were villainized and they played the heel and that was good for the league. Right. The Kevin Durant Warriors and the LeBron James Miami Heat. Great for the league. Great for the league. Somebody to cheer against, somebody to cheer for a, a team that's really easy to jump onto for young kids. I remember I got into the NBA because the Miami Heat with LeBron James were interesting. 
and they were an easy team to follow. It's like, oh, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron James. I can watch that team throughout the playoffs. And then by extension, I learn about the Pacers with Paul George and Roy Hibbert and the Derrick Rose Bulls, right? And the Knicks with Mello, who made it to the postseason like like once, right? Like that, that was an easy way for me to get into the league. And villains, either players or super teams, great for the NBA, have it all the time. But typically, the NFL is a little bit more balanced. We don't hate or cheer against specific teams or players, at least not as a whole. Like, I have players that I love and players that I don't love as much. That's that's me. Same for you, same for it. That's just normal life. But in the NBA, like, we band together. We're like, nah, screw the Warriors. Like, they, they are the worst, and we all cheer against them. We don't we don't really do that in the NFL, except for maybe the Patriots, but they're, they're a dynasty. That That's an outlier. You don't have teams like that. But this year, this year is different. It's been way different this year because it seems to me as though certain players and certain teams are almost trying to be unlikable. They are going out of their way to be annoying and to be obnoxious, and they're going out of our way, out of their way, to piss us off. Does it make sense? Have you noticed this? Now, to be fair, I don't want to make a, a mountain out of a molehill here. I want to appropriately talk about a molehill without, without blowing it up. So to be fair, I haven't noticed this with the Packers, with the Bears, uh, with the Bills, the Colts, the Rams, the Titans, the Browns, but... I have noticed that a few players and teams certainly seem to enjoy playing the heel. And I don't get it. It's something I've never seen in football before. The Steelers are probably the best example. The, the Steelers, remember when they started out undefeated? Were they 10-0, 11-0? And Pro Football Focus and George Shahuri did a podcast where they're like, the Steelers are the most under or, uh, overrated team in the league. And they actually gave a lot of good evidence and reasoning, but people still lost it. How can an undefeated team be overrated? Oh, you computer geek, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, 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 blah. Well, actually, the overrated comment makes sense. The Steelers had a chance to win the Super Bowl. They had a chance to win the Super Bowl last night. They were in the playoffs, for God's sake. But they're like, well, you know, defense is unstable. You can't rely on that. And, you know, Big Ben's really not that good, right? And they did give up 48 points last night, so the defense thing, that was legit. Right, But when this podcast came out, I remember Steelers players mobilized like to be cocky on Twitter and, and to cock off and to just be over the top. And after that happened, they only won two more games. They, they go on to win the same amount of games as the Browns did down the stretch. And you got Juju doing TikToks and dancing on teams' logos, making comments in the media. This week he said, hey, the Browns is the Browns. They're always going to be the Browns. What are you, what are you doing? Why are you intentionally giving bulletin board material and giving NFL fans just a reason to be annoyed by you? Your name is already Juju Smith-Schuster. You are already putting a huge burden and annoyance on me to have to say your whole name. Don't be doing TikToks on the logo. That just takes it to the next level. The Steelers being the heel. New Orleans. New Orleans. And Sean Payton has always done this to some extent, but it's been worse this year. Sean Payton in week one injured Michael Thomas and really could have cost his team the one seed in doing so because Michael Thomas was never the same all year long, and Michael Thomas hurt his ankle in a game that was over. It was decided. The game was in garbage time. The Saints had run away with it, but Sean Payton got to stick it to the league and stick it to the Buccaneers because I'm Sean Payton, and I'm just a pain in the butt. And Michael Thomas is never the same, and he tried to do the same thing yesterday with Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara. They're up multiple touchdowns over the Bears, who are never going to score a legit touchdown anyways. They did in garbage time against the prevent, but the, Bear, the Bears were never going to score more than 7 or 10 points in that game, and yet Sean Payton is running out Drew Brees, who's 100 years old and has broken ribs, and Alvin Kamara, who might be the single most valuable player in the NFC, not named Tom Brady and not named Aaron Rodgers. 
Like, you can't lose Alvin Kamara. The Saints cannot lose Alvin Kamara. They could lose Drew Brees. They could lose Michael Thomas. They cannot lose Alvin Kamara. And Sean Payton's running him out there. Just get, hey, go get hurt. Just go ahead. Let's tempt fate. And then on fourth and goal, they, they try to punch it in. And originally they thought they got in. And then when that happened, they started cocking off to the camera. And then replay showed that, oh, they didn't get in. Oh. Why, did they say, why are they going out of their way to be jerks? In Tampa, this is nothing new. Tom Brady's always been unlikable. He's a poor sport. He doesn't shake hands when he loses. He just, I just, I can't stand Tom Brady. Antonio Brown just has a rap sheet of abuse that makes me want, I want nothing to do with him. Tampa, they're not going out of their way to be unlikable, maybe other than Tom Brady. Bruce Arians is quite obnoxious sometimes in press conferences, I guess. But Pittsburgh, New Orleans, Tampa, Baltimore did this to some extent yesterday when they're partying on the Titans logo. Although you win a playoff game, you get to do what you want, right? You you are walking the walk. Then you can talk the talk a little bit after the game if you want. But I, I, don't, I don't get it. And I brought this up on our morning show on the cross here on WKTY. And, and Dave Carney, who hosts the morning show, was like, well, it's COVID. They're looking for something to do, right? They can't go out to dinner. They can't go out to the club. Like, they're cooped up inside like the rest of us. So they're just starting beef. I was like, wait a minute. That's actually a really smart take. I, that might actually be it, right? These players can't go out and entertain themselves. So they're just starting beef and dancing on the field. I mean, taking TikToks is just, I just think that's a tough scene for NFL players in the middle of the year. Whatever. Whatever, doing the Corvette dance or whatever. That's what middle school girls do. Juju, juju, stop TikToking. Well, now you have plenty of time because you're out of the playoffs. But TikTok in the off season. Luckily for you, your off season started a little bit early. Let's take a break. We'll talk about some of these games and get into the Packers coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show.